Hello, and welcome to the Disaster Preparedness Journal Club podcast, brought to you by SEEP, the Center for Excellence in Emergency Preparedness. I'm Jared Bly. I'm an emergency physician in Edmonton. I'm with Dr. Valérie Aumier, who is in Montreal. She is the inspiration and the organizer of this project. All credit to her. And I shouldn't neglect the support of the library staff at McGill University, notably Lindsay Hales, for her invaluable contribution to this podcast and to every podcast. Notably absent is Dr. Daniel Kolak, one of the biggest names in disaster medicine in Canada and one of the, re- the directors of the Center for Emergency Preparedness. And as a testament to his greatness, he is currently in Eastern Europe near Ukraine with CMAT, the Canadian Medical Assistance Team. And our thoughts, of course, are with him. Our hearts go out to all of those affected by this brutal war, those who have lost their lives, loved ones, their homes, and any semblance of peace and security. I'm sure that conflict will give rise to innumerable works of academics, art, and history, and that's a topic for another day. Today's episode is Disaster Triage, Is Rate the Perfect Tool? And with that, I'll turn it over to Valérie, who will introduce our guests. Thank you, Jared. It's always a pleasure to start a new recording for the SEEP Disaster Preparedness uh, Podcast. So today I'd like to welcome three guests. Two of them are from Alberta, and one of them is an EM resident from McGill University. So we'll start with you, Fad. If you can just please introduce yourself, and then we will let Gudrun and Kathy also introduce themselves. So Fad, go ahead. Hello, everyone. I'm Fad Arume. I'm an emergency medicine resident at uh, FRCP at McGill University. I'm pleased to be here. Hello, I'm Dr. Gudrun Ray. I'm an associate professor in the Faculty of Nursing at the University of Calgary. Uh, My primary area for research focus is the intersection between the pre-hospital and hospital environment, so primarily triage. I have a long background in emergency nursing as well. Hello, I'm Kathy Dobson. I am a clinical nurse educator in Alberta Health Services. I currently am the educator in the Urgent Care Center in Cochrane, which is a rural center, standalone emergency. Um, and I have previous uh, educator experience in large urban hospitals, as well as I was the pediatric trauma coordinator um, in the Alberta Children's Hospital. And my interest in this is triage specifically. I've done also consulting work with our EDM emergency disaster management in Alberta, um, most of my career, which is going on 30 years. Yes, I was 12 when I started. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you all of you for being uh, uh, with us today. I'm gonna, without further delay, ask Fad to please upload his slides and begin the article presentation for today. So, title of the study is Mass Causality Triage for the Emergency Department Using the RAID Protocol, Validation and Results of a Quasi-Experiment. Authors, Gudrun Ray, James Rankin, Kathy Dobson, and Karen Campbell. It is a recently published uh, article in March 2022 in the International Emergency of Nursing and moving along. So this is the outlines. 
We'll start with objectives. We'll talk about methodology, results, discussion, and then conclusion. So the study objectives. One, the primary objectives. One, validate the read protocol. Two, compare two different methods for staff training. And here I will invite Kathy to talk more about the RAID protocol. So Kathy, please, if you have a, a moment to talk to us more about the Kathy protocol. Thank you. Uh, the RAID protocol, just very quickly to introduce it, um, is for nursing in an emergency department um, by experienced nurses who are trained in CTAS. So the, though that was the intention of this rate tool. If we start at the top where the patient arrives, it follows CTAS training in the fact that it, it follows the principles of across the room look, um, determining if there's any infection or potential contamination and a hazard risk, and then you deal with the hazard risk. Following along that, any patient that in your critical look or upon immediate assessment requires intervention. So for example, unresponsiveness, uncontrolled bleeding, major trauma. And those are directly red. Red meaning resuscitation, um, yellow meaning urgent, green less urgent, and gray supportive care. As we go down the algorithm to then, if you don't recognize immediately someone that needs immediate intervention, and here I'll also include those patients that may not be part of the MCI, which is a really important piece of the rate tool. So it incorporates pediatrics as well as those non-casualty patients who will still present during an MCI to the emergency department and need help. So for example, your active seizure or your anaphylactic patient. As we go down to our next, assessing our airway, uh, if it, there is any obstruction, they're red immediately, and then assessing breathing and circulation. So the rate tool does not take vital signs. It doesn't, there's no vital sign assessment. There's no extensive history. It's based really on the first part of CTAS, which every nurse in Canada is trained in triage um, for that immediate assessment part of it. So when we're looking at shock, for example, with hypo or hemodynamic compromise, we would be looking at the patient. We would use, be using our experience. We may be seeing if they're pallor. We may be putting our hands on them just to check a pulse for for um, quality of pulse, but we are not at this point taking vital signs. After we've assessed circulation and determined they're stable, we'll look at level of consciousness and other acuity determinants. So the other acuity determinants are modifiers in our CTAS scoring at triage. We've included these because they're an intuitive and natural part of the triage nurse's determinant to bump a patient up. So if they have severe pain, mechanism of injury, or known bleeding disorder that we've determined at that time, we may be able to bump them up into our acuity scale. So we always ask these questions and it's a natural part of our triage history and we wanted to include it as something that would increase the risk of the patient casualty or non-casualty coming into the department. And then the final determinant is whether they're alert. Um, and this 
if they're a high risk, so for example, it takes into consideration maybe that frailty modifier now in our CTAS, which is an age determinant, if they're elderly, but they're alert, they may be at a higher risk or just low risk green determinant. I'll briefly touch on the gray supportive area. As you can see, it's not in the algorithm, but we wanted to include it as, um, we, as patients coming in that maybe will need supportive care, uh, dignity to uh, death with dignity or palliative care. And we at, in Canada are not declaring patients dead from a nursing perspective at triage during an MCI. So we did want to address this population coming in with a gray supportive care area. Okay, thank you, Kathy. Um, moving along to the methodology. So in phase one, the study would like to validate the REIT triage protocol by obtaining a 100% consensus agreement from a panel of five triage experts, assessing 20 patient vignettes using the REIT protocol. Phase two, pre-test, post-test, quasi-experiment and comparing a rate infographic with a rate e-learning module of 64 triage registered nurse from two emergency departments. Moving to results, phase one, five experts reached 100% consensus for 20 patient clinical vignettes. In phase two, there was no statistically significant differences on pre-test and post-test scores within or, and between registered nurse groups controlling for age, years as a um, registered nurse, years as an emergency department registered nurse, and years as a triage um, registered nurse. Thank you, Fad and Kathy, for presenting the rate protocol and the outline for the study. So I would like to begin the discussion by asking uh, Kathy to explain to us why this study, what led the team to conduct this research? There must be a background that you would like to share with us. So just to back up a little bit further than that, um, we developed this tool because our emergency disaster management team conducted a survey along with our ESCN to determine that there wasn't a consistent triage tool for MCI for our code orange disaster plans. So that was the initial part of it. And we came together as a working group to develop a plan. We wanted to keep it, the principle of, we wanna keep it nurses doing the same thing they always do. So it had to be very specifically hospital. They, we did endorse they were triage trained in CTAS and that it was more of an intuitive tool than an algorithmic tool, even though I know it looks like an algorithm, but we really wanted it to be intuitive to what they do every day, because that is what they're going to do. Um, so once that was developed, we really wanted to make sure that this tool was intuitive. We wanted to ensure that we um, did some research on it for inter-rater reliability, to determine that everybody could use the tool. So with the infograph, um, as well as with the learning module, with the expectation that if you had CTAS, you were an experienced nurse, you could come in with just an inf infograph to refresh your memory or look at the MCI piece of it. So just the minor modifications we made. Um, and also if you were newer and needed a richer learning environment, but that in the end result, it would be the same. 
Um, I will also mention that although this is a very specific hospital emergency department tool, it does align with the EMS colors of acuity. So even though their business process is the same and they're, they may use a different, for instance, jump uh, at the field triage, uh, we're still speaking the same language. When they bring a red patient in, it's the same acuity, then we would use the rate tool to assign it as acuity. So that was the intention of that. And, um, and then Gudrun, with all her research experience, her emergency department triage, specifically, she has previous um, publications in triage um, research. And so the pair of us, we've thought it was a great pairing to be able to do it with support from our EDM financially to be able and as well as physically to be able to start the triage research. Okay, thank you for this background. I really appreciate it. Just maybe one final question to, to really uh, complete the, the section on, on, on the background info prior to the study. What is the triage tool used by the paramedic, excuse me, services in Alberta? It is jump and jump start. Uh, you, you, uh, you, okay, start triage and jump start for the yes. pediatric version. Okay, yes. so that's interesting. This yes. is also the uh, disaster triage tool we use uh, in Quebec in, in terms of the EMS uh, pre hospital setting. So, may I ask, Kathy, that we uh, just go over uh, what you think are the improvements that the rate tool can bring over the actual adaptation of START for the emergency department that many centers are still doing today? Sure. I think the first benefit of the rate is that it aligns with triage nurses and what they do today. We have extensive emergency department training. When a new nurse comes in, they get two full days. They have a very precise triage course that's a certification that is mandated that they take. They have orientation shifts that they take. The expectation through our national, through Nina, as well as most of the emergency departments is you require two years of emergency department experience in a large urban center. It may be different rurally um, before you even do triage. So we really wanted to capture the what we do every day. The other piece about that was we don't want to learn anything, a new process differently, obviously, during a disaster. And what we were finding is it ended up being in some of our plans, but nobody knew how to use it. And it was too difficult to try and reinforce using it. Uh, and thirdly, it didn't capture a lot of the patients that just walk in. So, for example, our patient that can get up and walk. So at the scene, the first thing in your jump is if you can get up and walk, walk over. So that would incorporate a lot of our patients that we, you know, for example, a chest pain patient or patients whom we may consider are uh, need to be seen urgently, if, for example, like anaphylaxis or chest pain, that a field triage there wouldn't incorporate. Um, they, they're at the, at the, at the, um, the site of the scene and their triage is more for um, resources and for transportation and for trying to get them into the hospital, where ours is we need to sort of incorporate all those casualty and non-casualty patients. But I think the most important piece is it's intuitive and it's what we do every day. It aligns with our processes. 
Lubrian, it seems like much easier to incorporate in existing training that that requires no additional plans or budget to prepare the nurses for dealing with a mass casualty situation in terms of the triage part. So it's included in the, you know, the regular training before you, you start working in the emergency department. So I think that's brilliant, absolutely. Uh, because budgets are an issue for anything in disaster uh, training. So it's uh, all across the country, we're always looking for funding for, for those uh, topics. So now I'd like to turn to Gudrun. Thank you, Kathy. We're not done, we'll speak again soon. You can go on mute, thank you. So Gudrun, I wanted to discuss first um, with you the um, first objective of the study, which, which was the validation of the, the tool. Could you explain to us a little bit who were the experts involved in validating the tool? We don't need names, but just maybe their profession and, and how did you go about in um, choosing uh, these experts? Where were they from? some info that you can share with us, please. Yes, thank you, Valerie. Um, so I should mention, first of all, uh, my research background is triage, and my expertise is really in qualitative research. So we pulled in Dr. Rankin, who's quant and has developed a lot of surveys. So to speak to the experts, we used, um, we used um, snowball sampling, you know, from our own net uh, contacts. Kathy helped us with finding some experts. So one of them was an experienced emergency nurse um, that's considered by other nurses in the department as being an excellent triage nurse with over 20 years experience. Um, we had three educators, nurse educators in the emergency department um, from three different departments. And then we had an emergency physician that's um, intimately familiar with CTAS on the expert panel. And it took three rounds before we reached consensus on the 20 vignettes. We did some modification. It was a modified Delphi process throughout until um, we had finally 20 validated vignettes. Thank you. Later on, we'll get to the training part uh, of uh the second objective of the study. So uh, now at this point, I'd like to um, ask either Kathy or Gudrun to tell us a little bit, what was the response that you noticed with the team of experts conducting the, the, um, the study? And also afterwards, I would assume that there was training done outside the study because from what I hear, it will be used um, in Alberta. What is the overall response that you got from the nurses uh, getting training on this um, tool? Okay, I can speak to the experts then. Um, they were happy to contribute. I think they were excited to make triage in a disaster situation better. I think the one, and um, I took some time to review the comments yesterday, and I think particularly the physician, and that could be from the fact that physicians aren't typically at triage, uh, made a number of comments, what are the vital signs, which would indicate to me maybe had not worked through the rate protocol. Um, and I'm trying to think back to what the educator said. They had more clarifications. Could you make this clearer in the vignette? 
um, you know, what's the skin color, asking for more information that would be available in a natural environment, but that when constructing a vignette uh, is not always in the vignette, which was helpful for us when we went back and modified them. So we would include things like pale, cool, and clammy, for instance, um, if there had been questions around that. So generally, uh, wanting to know more to make a decision, I would say. And I guess that's for us at triage, that is part of why we have experienced triage nurses out there to be able to visually look at someone and be able in our regular day, our CTAS score is we are our ability to bump them up because they look unwell. And I think that's what we wanted to capture in the tool is they, it's based on experience. If you, you can be bumped up by just how we, your presentation, which was difficult, obviously in the vignette. I think I remember reading something about time and how long this took, um, but maybe you could comment on that, how, how long this triage process would normally take, and is there a maximum time that's, that it's supposed to take? Our study didn't do timing on it. Um, you know, I think between 60 and 90 seconds is sort of our guideline, depending on the number of people that are coming in at once. Um, the interesting piece, we are, we have also included the rate tool into our Connect Care program, which is obviously, <laughs> you know what that is, but our, our computer program, which is going through all of Alberta. And one of the things in the rate tool is that you don't need to go through the algorithm. You can jump right to the acuity level and assign it a red, yellow, or green, just for that very reason that it could be very quick or it could go through the algorithm. But I think as you saw, it is it is a one page, very intuitive with stuff we already know how to ask. So I feel like it is a very quick way to go about. I, I think it would align very easily with the 60 seconds. And I think that was the problem that we, one of the problems we had with saying CTAS is the tool to use because we are so used to all those first and second and third modifiers, right? And vital signs are such a huge part of us when you have three CTAS twos, that's how you determine. So again, the difference being CTAS having five levels, which makes it easier for me as a triage nurse to prioritize people, but in a disaster, it's too difficult to divide five levels up and internationally those, you know, red, yellow, green are what we know. CTAS also doesn't align with the colors. So blue in CTAS is resuscitation where I'm not sure there's a blue in disaster colors that we're familiar with. So we had to modify CTAS in that way. And that's how we modified it is just capturing literally when I teach CTAS, this is slide number one and slide number two of the whole eight hour course that I teach. This is condensed for everybody. And I think that's really commendable in this, um, this study and this protocol is that I think you have intentionally designed something that is as close as possible to what we would do anyways, or what the triage nurse would do. And um, the other huge advantage, I think that I don't know if this was intended or just came out in the study was that the, um, it was just as effective in, in the sort of just-in-time learning. And any, any disaster 
triage protocol has to meet those two criteria that it has to be um, it has to be something that we are used to using um, and something that we can that we don't need extensive training beforehand because we're not going to remember it in the disaster. Was that intentional to create this as oh and the the other thing that I thought was that um, I wondered if this was intended to reflect as closely as possible what we would do anyways, which would be to have an experienced nurse at triage, triaging by gestalt, um, which I think is totally acceptable and, and in the literature, but probably not acceptable to have as a protocol that we're just gonna have, you know, someone really good up front <laughs> making those calls. Was that intentional to, to reflect that? You know, that's interesting you say that because the intention was to make it as intuitive as possible, recognizing we did need some formal, obviously something formal for the plans. Um, it's interesting that you said that I did just read a, an article and it was comparing in, intuitive versus algorithmic, right? And the clinical, you know, we... Healthcare providers, we want them to use sort of that immediate visual clinical gestalt to sort patients. That's what they do every day. So it was in some ways intentional. And, you know, the, we really just wrote down what triage nurses do every day. And, and we did, there was a bit of pushback because it was a different tool than EMS used. And we did have to do a lot of conversation around that, why it's different, but we recognizing we have different, it is a different process from the emergency department to the field or on site triage, right? EMS field triage based on resource availability and prioritization of patients for transport, where ours would be hospital triage, so... Very interesting. I am really enjoying the discussion because we can see maybe some challenges that you had to uh, overcome. I'm going to bring back Gudrun, if that's okay, to discuss uh, the second uh, part of the study, which was comparing two training methods. Okay. Um, so the infographic is essentially the rate protocol, uh, the picture you're seeing in the article, and we called it an infographic for the purposes of this study. The e-learning module was developed by um, Alberta Health Services, I believe, and Kathy is um, intimately familiar with it and how long it would take to work through it. So maybe Kathy, you can just tell us how long it would take to work through it, and then I'll speak to how we conducted the study. Sure. So the e-learning module, it takes in about 45 minutes to complete, um, but you can take as long as you want. It's available on our Alberta Health Services to all anybody that wants to sign up for it in our um, My Learning link. So uh, everyone in AHS has access to it. And we have endorsed it, um, not formally, but we have said if you're going to do triage, all the, the triage nurses will take it prior to getting trained um, to it. And there is a picture of the infograph in it as well that you can work along with the vignettes that, or the, you know, the scenarios that are kind of live scenarios in the module. Um, 
and you can take as long as you want to work through it. It's more in-depth dis- descriptions of it with the intention of people probably just starting triage as opposed to the in- infographic, which the assumption is you've already had your triage training. And is there a little test or quiz at the end of the e-learning module? There's little um, learning quizzes throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thanks. And we'll let uh, Gudrun complete that. Yes. So, yeah. So the way we conducted the study, we had uh, two different hospitals uh, with nurses that were all trained in CTAS, two years of triage experience minimum. Um, The one group, actually what we did, so first of all, the nurses were presented with the vignettes and rated them as uh, red, green, red, yellow, and green, just intuitively. Then group one was given the infographic access to it and the opportunity to review it. And group two was given access to the e-learning module and having the opportunity to work through it. A month later, we distributed the post-test Both groups then had the infographic available because we hypothesized that in an actual disaster, you would have that infographic at triage to refer to. And they worked through 10 different vignettes. Um, That was essentially how we worked it. Okay, so we're coming towards the end of this um, podcast, but I do want to include a little rapid fire question section there. So I'm going to start with Fab and give you the opportunity to ask any question. Don't be embarrassed. Uh, just if there is something that you're dying to ask, this is your time. Yeah, um, it's interesting study with a lot of information that needs in the future to be likely considered in future research. But um, let's say what what what's the end objective, or let's say what's the research that you're thinking about later on? Like, if there is a room to improve or a room to tag along of that research, where do you find the next step after this? Um, let's say implemented at some areas. I can take that. So. I would think this would be interesting to do with a larger sample because the sample was fairly small. We had 64 nurses in the pre-test and 44 in the post-test. The second interesting area from purely a decision-making perspective is whether new graduates would be able to use this tool. I'm in no way, shape or form advocating new graduates at triage we need experienced nurses there. But from a decision-making perspective, we were wondering if the experienced nurses uh, sometimes just didn't work through the whole protocol. They just went, oh, that's a red. I know that. I don't need to read. Um, So those are some interesting thoughts. I think that's exactly it. The other thing I may add to that is with our introduction of Connect Care throughout Alberta, maybe looking at that part rate in a computer program as well, looking and see if it's as accurate or timing, maybe it's even faster or maybe some of those ideas as well. Yeah, good, because that was my second rapid fire question. What is the current state of things in Alberta emergency departments? Is this triage done using a paper card 
or that was why I was wondering using a computer system, what is the current state of things knowing that you want to try and computerize in the future? Yeah, so um, our computer program, some of the sites in Alberta have gone live. So this is a huge product project. Obviously, it's all of Alberta. So um, we are all paper-based, which is how one of the reasons I got involved in this is we are aligning a Code Orange plan to incorporate Connect Care, the computer program, and disaster services with it. Now, in saying that, sites such as Edmonton that are live can go in and use it. Um, it is ready to go. There is a little learning piece of it, they can put their department in MCI mode, and it's pretty, it's very intuitive to just go in and do it. So um, it's more the workflow and paper stuff. Uh, it will be in it, the infograph will be in every ED plan in Alberta, as a paper copy. So those rural sites, maybe that aren't yet up on connect care, etc, will have a paper copy in that is the disaster plan for EDs and urgent cares in Alberta. So that is the next step right now, for sure. It's been a fantastic uh, discussion. I think we were able to really understand the goals and maybe the strengths of this rape protocol. If I may try to summarize, my understanding of the strengths are the following. This is a tool that is using what nurses use every day. It's not a new tool, it's an adaptation of an existing tool. It is easy for nurses to learn in the current training program that they follow. It is brief, it doesn't take a lot of time to perform this assessment and it can um, easily go and trigger what people already know about triage tool, which is the color categories that are used in START, in SALT, and other tools as well. It is aligned with the triage categories used by EMS. And it seems like from your describing that it can be easily learned through either e-learning module or infographic method. And what I really like is that we're going towards maybe computerized triage that could be a very efficient, but of course, further research will be required for that. Does that sound like a good summary or did I miss an important point? I think um, it was a great summary. Um, I think including that it's for adult and pediatrics as well. We're not using two different tools. And I think it also is important to include casualty and non-casualty. We get so focused on the MCI event itself. And that's what a lot of the triage tools out there, the primary triage tools, do is just focus on the casualty where we have to still remember we have other patients and mental health patients and other people coming through the doors. So if you could include those two points in your summary. Jerry, we're not cutting that part. That was excellent. So absolutely. So thank you, everyone. I feel like I understand better the project, the triage tool, and I definitely will share this recording with as many uh, nurses and colleagues interested in disaster preparedness uh, that I, I can find. So once again, thank you everyone. And Jared, I want you to finish the recording. We gotta hear from you to finish off. Yeah, thank you everyone. Great protocol in that it's simple and it's intuitive, um, that it's not an entirely new tool and that it's adaptable. Um, and so it's, it's useful. And it has the added benefit of having a neat four-letter acronym, which we like in everything. So excellent work. Um, 
thank you everyone for being involved in this and we'll hope to see you on a future podcast. Thank you.